What's up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Roped In. Um, I can actually say what's up, world, because I have listeners around the world. Um, there's a listener in Brazil and a listener in Switzerland, along with North America and Jamaica, where most of my friends and family live. But shout out to that Brazilian and that Swiss. Um, thank you very much for listening. Might have been some weird IP thing, but either way, I have world listeners. So I can say that. <laughs> Um, I've got another special episode. I know a lot of my episodes have said welcome to another special episode, but I mean, it's just the first few episodes are going to be special because they're the first time I'm doing certain things, but this one's a special episode because I have a guest. Like I promised three episodes ago, I said that I was going to have an episode guest within three episodes. It's the third episode, so I had to do it. Um, and one of my friends was gracious enough to say yes, so... He's going to join me for the NFL segment. He's one of my good friends that knows a lot about football. Um, so, yeah, he's joining me for that NFL top 10 running back section. Uh, because of it, it's one of the things that it, it goes a little bit longer adding another person. I'm very excited that I had a guest. It's the way that I want to do it eventually with people on there. But it's made me think that, you know, maybe I still do my solo thing where I'm recapping a lot of things. But with guests, it's going to take longer. So maybe I do two episodes a week. Um, or have special edition episodes with guests that just cover more than, or sorry, just cover one topic as I've been covering about three topics per episode. It's now going to be less with people on there because we're talking more. <laughs> um, but yeah, either way, again, so my friend Spencer has joined me for the NFL Top 10 Running Backs. And then the other segment today is the Formula One recap for the race that happened in uh, Netherlands because we're back from the summer break. So I hope you enjoy it, um, and if you do, leave a comment, leave a like, let me know, and um, yeah, without further ado, let's get right into it and meet my friend. So welcome to this very special moment of Roped In, where we've got my very first guest. Uh, everybody, uh, say hi to my best friend, Spencer Harris. Spencer, say hi to the people. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Hey, yeah. So uh, Spencer's here joining me. He's one of my good friends that's a big football fan and continuing my series of ranking the top 10 in the position groups of the NFL. Today we're on to the running backs and uh, Spencer's who I trust for a lot of my football opinions. So um, yeah, I kind of trust a lot what he's going to say. Spencer, let everybody know why you're a football fan. Oh, um, I've just gotten really, really involved in my football knowledge because of fantasy football. And I spend way too much time doing this. As I should show John, I have a what I call my football fantasy Bible that I use that I update almost daily. And I've gone really into the stats. And I kind of like take that into what we do with how much Madden we play as well. Where I actually don't play football when we play Madden. I just build teams. Um, and that's kind of how I just look at it with fantasy. So player rankings, right up my alley. Yeah, no, I am the exact same way. Alrighty, so, uh, yeah, I mean, guess without further ado, let's just get right into it. Um, I mean, we got the top 10, but as always, we got some honorable mentions. So, for me, some of the honorable mentions, or I guess, maybe we'll just go all the way, just starting from one. Yeah, let's do that. I did that with the quarterback, so let's do that way. Okay, so, I have a strong feeling that both of us are going to have the same number one here. Um, but my number one is uh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, definitely Christian McCaffrey. 
Yeah, that one's a, a pretty no-brainer. Um, he's kind of the best do-it-all running back. He's one of the better running running backs in the league, and he's without a doubt the best receiving running back in the league. Um, yeah, but again, there's no real debate on this one. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, um, I was actually – I wouldn't say surprised. The Panthers kind of sucked. Um, but it's always surprising when you see a star of that, that get traded. But to go to San Francisco was just really scary because Kyle Shanahan's a, a wizard with a player like that, I think. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all righty. Either way, again, no-brainer on that one. So there's our number one, everybody, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I guess we'll go with my number two first here. Uh, this one – I guess could surprise some people, uh, but my number two is actually Saquon Barkley. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I guess so. Let me explain why. So I went with Saquon because I think I mean, he's got his injury risks, but when healthy, he's up there. I think he's actually the third best receiving back. He is behind McCaffrey and Eckler, but he's a really dynamic receiving back out of the backfield a great runner went healthy power runner shifty got the stiff arm very fast um so i don't know i just i think saquon barkley is a really good running back and i have him at two so my number two is probably going to be i'm going to say john's three is the best pure runner in the league does not do much receiving but when he runs the ball, he's the best, and that's Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb in Cleveland, yes. So Nick Chubb, uh, it's so much better doing this on a Zoom call. Uh, so Nick Nick Chubb can easily run 100 yards before halftime, but he will probably have zero catches. He will run zero routes, which is just <laughs> not the new NFL. So for a lot of people, it's – is he in that top top three? But as just a pure running back, run you over, so strong. Guy squats like six hundred pounds, like as a warm up. Like it's yeah. <laughs> Nick Nick Chubb is my number two. Yeah, no, that uh, that, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Again, I I actually did have him very high up there. It's again just the receiving side of Saquon Barkley that made me rank him higher. But yes, Nick Chubb, I I completely agree on that one. Um, however, he's not my number three. My number three is the other kind of guy who's in the very same class. It's Derrick Henry. Um, I think he's going to fall off a little bit, mainly in the sense of you can't put your body through that that long and keep it going. But just in the nature of put the ball in his hands in between the tackles, who's going to get you the yards? Derrick Henry's the guy. Um. Yeah, again, not really much of a receiving back there, but I I just think that he's just overall maybe the most feared as well running back. I mean, maybe yeah. that's me a bit of a football casual because I do know Nick Chubb is also amazing, but I don't know. Derrick Henry and his size has him at number three for me. So going back to John, so going with my number three, going back to John's uh, discussions on Saquon, uh, my number three also has injury concerns and he's also going through some contract issues and if he's going to be in the, on, even on, the, on his team right now. But that's Jonathan Taylor. So Jonathan Taylor at his age, his speed, his size, he's already been in the RB1 in fantasy. He can show that he can do the touchdowns. He can do the receiving so fast. Great back coming out of Wisconsin. Very good running back. But again, depending on where he plays this season or beyond, this list could be very different uh, next year. 
Yeah, no, that does make sense. Jo- oh, Jonathan Taylor was one that gave me a lot of debate. Um, yeah. Spoiler alert, he is on my list. He's obviously further down because I haven't sent him yet. But yes, that was one where he he gave me a lot of, of thinking on this one. Um, but he was not my number four. My number four was your number two, Nick Chubb. Um, again, basically the exact same reasons you said. I have him ranked a little bit lower, mainly just because he doesn't do a lot of receiving. I don't see being a bit of a football casual in a sense. I don't know if it's just because they don't incorporate him in the passing game. Like, I don't know if he doesn't have that ability or not. Um, But again, just as a pure runner, you are completely correct. He is amazing as a running back. Um, I think potentially maybe a bit more dynamic than Henry in the sense of I think he's got a bit more of a juke move and a spin move. Um, But yes, Nick Chubb for me, same reasons as you. He's my number four. Yep. So my number four, who's also my favorite player in the league, um, he's not the best running back, pure runner in the league, but as a receiver, he's unmatched, and that's Alton Eckler. The guy, undrafted, he's little, but again, like Nick Chubb, strong as hell, scores, I I think he's the leading, led the league in touchdowns back-to-back years, just crazy dynamic player on that offense, I think without him. I don't think the Chargers would be anywhere close to what they currently do. Helps Justin Herbert a lot. Um, But yeah, as a pure receiving back, just insane. Just give him the ball, and it doesn't matter where it is, he'll score. That's just what he does. Saw that guy run 75-yard touchdown off like one pulling guard just down the sideline against the Rams on uh, New Year's. It was nuts. Like, just... Yeah, that is pretty crazy. I uh, I actually did not know he led the league in touchdowns the past years. I should because I'm also a big fantasy football fan, but dang. Um, yeah, so moving on. My number five is Josh Jacobs. Um, I'm kind of just continuing on the list of I think he's the third best just pure runner. I shouldn't say that. Jonathan Taylor. Dang, this is the debate. Okay, so yep. Josh Jacobs, he's my number five. Um, I think just Statistics-wise, I mean, he had near 1,700 yards last year, 12 touchdowns. But where I add him in there is it's his, his receiving. Um, I think he's got like around 400 receiving yards for the Raiders the past few years. Catches around 50 receivings, I mean, receptions a year. So the, the fact that he adds that little extra receiving game in there um, and just his, his ability to, to run the ball – um, a one-man show over there for the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, that's why I got Josh Jacobs at five. Do you know that he does not have a career NFL receiving touchdown? I actually did not know that. Yeah, okay. I saw that the other day. So he has he averages like I think it's like forty-five, like fifty catches a year. Never, never had a receiving touchdown. That is interesting. I did not know that. But hey, with Jimmy Garoppolo and dumping off to his running backs, probably going to happen this year. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so my next running back is King Henry. Pure runner, that stiff arm will put you in the ground. Just, you know he's getting the ball, but there's nothing you can really do to stop him. Um, not a lot you can really do against him either. But again, early in his career, he was kind of just, is he just a big guy? But then he really figured out how to be just run you over fits really well with Mike Vrabel fits really well with what that offense wants to do. Run the ball, just run it down your throat. 
And that's why Derrick Henry, beginning of the year, not as good. You do not want to see him in November. He will <laughs> run you over. And that's when you that's when he gets his two hundred yard rushing games. It's it's dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. He is he is absolutely scary to watch. I would yeah, I mean, if I was in the NFL, I'd be a lot bigger than I am now. But yes, I would not want to face him one on one um in the open field at all. He is he is the running back that people say they're making business decisions when they don't tackle him. They're like, no, nah, he's fine. Just just let him yeah, go. Like he's gonna he's gonna score anyway. Oh no, he's on the two. Like, cool. Just let him let him do it. If not, he's going to throw a jump pass on you too. Like with the speed as well, you literally can't even create a player like him in like a create a player Madden. It's ridiculous. No, it doesn't work the same. He doesn't. <laughs> it's not possible. It's yeah. Um, yeah. Either way, moving on. So there's our top five. So moving on to number six for me, uh, Spenny's already said him. It's to me again, the second best overall running back behind Christian McCaffrey is Austin Eckler. Um, I didn't know he had that many touchdowns. I mean, looking up a bit of the stats, I knew he had a lot of touchdowns, but I didn't know it kind of led the league in a lot of things. But it's the fact that he dang near gets 2,000 scrimmage yards every season and can do it easily. And as you're saying, is the Chargers offense. He's yeah, he's that reason I got Austin Eckler too. I mean, six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next one, um, again, Looking at this list, it's really hard to place guys, but yeah, it's Saquon, uh, Saquon Barkley, who I literally just call Quads. Um, yes, is is yeah, he is the probably on this list. Like the, I should have him higher based off of his receiving ability and just his ability as a pure rusher. Um, his problem is that he does like to always run outside, which is why I think his yardage total is a little bit lower. Um, but if he went, if he just went and just kind of played like Nick Chubb, kind of like that Frank Gore style of just, I need to run the ball like between my guard and my tackle. And that's what I'm doing. Um, Saquon is kind of not that back. He's like, no, I'm going to juke move you. I'm going to spin you. Going to like try to do some crazy thing to score every time, which I think helps him be who he is. Um, but yeah, yeah, as just pure, pure runner. It's great catch. Again, last year, that offense, I think he, I think he let them in receiving for the Giants. There'd be games where he would run the ball more than Daniel Jones would pass it. Like it was just <laughs> ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he can be your whole offense. Um, but yeah, a couple injuries in his career. But yeah, he's he's solid. Yeah, very solid. Again, that's why I had him at two. Maybe a bit too yeah. high. Maybe a bit biased if I was like Saquon. But yeah, I think he's amazing. Yep. Um, my number seven, I couldn't let him drop any further. We've uh, talked about and mentioned him a few times, Jonathan Taylor. Um, I also agree that overall, I mean, what was it, two years ago where he was just an absolute fantasy machine where every game he was basically getting you 50 points. Yeah. He's, he's absolutely dominant. I think it was 2021. Um, it's a bit of the injury that, I don't know, that's a bit what kind of ranked him a little further down. Not that I have my, my doubts on it, but with injuries like that, I just I want to see what he can perform. And just because there are so many other talented running backs that have produced and don't necessarily have as crazy injury risks at the current moment as Jonathan Taylor. But he is a one-man show. Again, the, the contract things, the, the stuff going on with Jim Ursay, which is potentially going to be a, a segment in a future podcast. But yeah, Jonathan Taylor, 
for the abilities that he has, I can't have him drop any further, no matter how many doubts I have about his situations elsewhere. So yeah, Jonathan Taylor is my number seven. Yeah. yeah. Going back to Jonathan Taylor, it's also hard with the contract issues where it's like, is his ankle actually that bad? Or is that just what he's using to not no show way. up? Because Fair then enough. he can be designated different and not get fined for not showing up because it's an injury. So it's such a weird situation where he could come in and again, like you kind of talked about in one of your past episodes with Harden in the fat suit. Um, (laughs) Is he, is he actually that hurt or is he just trying to get moved? Um, But yeah, I think if he came out to practice, he'd probably be just fine. But um, so my neck, so my next running back hasn't played a single down in the NFL is Bijan Robinson. He is the closest comparison to Saquon that we've seen. Um, He's going to be the exact same back as Saquon. He's going to catch everything. He's going to do it one-handed. He's going to juke you out of your socks. He's going to run you over. It's on the number two rushing offense. He's with Arthur Smith, who made Derrick Henry who he is behind that O-line on a in a bad division he is going to run the ball 25 times a game catch it 12 <laughs> times it's going to be it's going to be stupid he's going to be their offense it's going to help the youngest roster of stars i think the average guy on that team is 24 for their offensive weapons you got Kyle Pitts Drake London Desmond Ritter Desmond Ritter's the oldest i think he's 24 so <laughs> That offense, if they can put it all together and Bijan can just be that catalyst to just be like, give me the ball and it'll work. Great things in Atlanta. Yeah, no, I uh, I did talk about that briefly on one of my earlier episodes as well. I think I had, when I was ranking like offensive cores, I did an honorable mention on them because I agree. The Atlanta offense is, is exciting to watch. And Bijan, uh, continuing the the praise on him, he's my number eight as well. Um, only reason I dropped him down this low is because he hasn't played it down in the NFL. I do think that maybe it's because I'm biased and I really, really like him and I have super high expectations. I think if I'm doing this next year, he's easy top five, potentially top three yeah. Um, yeah. with the skills that he has. Um, I'm not going to continue just saying the exact same thing. Holy crap, 10 minutes. Uh, I'm not going to continue saying the exact same thing. Uh, but yeah, Bijan Robinson, for the same reason as Benny having him at seven, he's my number eight. Okay, uh, my number eight is Josh Jacobs. Pure runner, gets those catches. I don't know why. I've never liked the guy as watching him play. I don't know. He always looks slow, but maybe it's, I don't know. I've just never, I've just never been a Josh Jacobs fan. Um, but yeah, for that offense, for what it's been the last couple of years, yeah. Never been a great O-line, but he's always just managed to just be a pure runner and 13, 1400 yards, whatever his numbers are, it's eight touchdowns. Like just, just go for it. Just do your thing and just be a guy. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, That's also one of the things where the only reason I actually had Josh Jacobs higher is because of the stats he's been producing and what he did last year. I agree. Maybe it's because I don't watch him enough, but he doesn't look like he should be as good as the numbers he produces. I guess if that weirdly makes sense. Just a really, um, just a really dumb comment in Madden. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's like an 86 speed. Like it's just, I've just never liked the guy. Uh, uh, why? But he's he produces the stats, so um, he does. Way. Yeah, 
My number nine, um, bit of a question mark for me, but I, I could not put him in there as Aaron Jones. Uh, I mm, do think nice. he, he produces a lot of overall abilities. I think he's kind of in that top five of running and receiving running backs. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do stats-wise without Aaron Rodgers um, passing the ball. But, I mean, Jordan Love so far this preseason has looked pretty good. Uh, I think the only reason Aaron Jones doesn't have as many touchdowns is because he's got A.J. Dillon behind him, who's just that power brute. He's got the quads like Barkley. Um, But, yeah, Aaron Jones is my number nine. Yeah, just kind of tagging along to Aaron Jones, who would have been one of my auto-roll mentions. He's probably my number 11. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is – a thief in the red zone. That guy loves his two, three yard touchdowns to Devonte Adams. Uh, he did that for years. That was like the whole thing with Aaron Jones. It was always, if Aaron Jones is going to score, it's from 25 yards out. Um, <laughs> so my number nine is Tony Pollard. Ooh, yes. Guy super explosive, um, produced a lot, even without, um, or with Ezekiel Elliott behind him in front of him, whatever in the same backfield. Um, <laughs> Great receiving back, super fast on the sideline. I think he averages like seven yards a carry, which is unheard of. Um, I know there was one game last year where he was the guy, and I think he had 25 carries. Guy looked like he was having an asthma attack on the sideline. Um, (laughs) So let's see if he can carry a full workload this year. It is a different system, but Mike McCarthy said he just wants to run the ball a lot more than they did last year, probably to limit Dak on just throwing interceptions. Um, cause that's kind of, um, Kellen Moore's thing of just throw the ball. So now with him gone, it's just going to be a West coast power run, run behind the O-line. That's still good getting kind of old, but they're still able to produce. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be probably a little bit higher on this list next year. Yeah, no, I agree. Tony Pollard was one where I'm going to be honest with you. He's not on my list. He's in my honorable mentions. I'll get to that now. He, Probably is there just because I'm an Eagles fan and I hate the flicking Cowboys. Yep. Uh, yeah, Tony Pollard, he he is that guy. Um, I do think he he deserves to be on the list, but he's not on mine. Sorry, Tony Pollard. My number 10 is actually a guy who has not completed a full season. Uh, it's Brees Hall. Um, I have him at number 10. Again, maybe it's a bit biased. Maybe I just like him too much. It's going to be stats-wise, he's not going to produce them because they went out and they got Dalvin Cook. But what he was producing, I do think that Brees Hall is a top 10 running back. I mean, if he had been healthy his entire year, he was probably going to put up 1,000 rushing yards and 500 receiving yards as a rookie, which is amazing with the quarterback and the offense that they had. So, again, it's tricky to put him on here stats-wise because Dalvin Cook is going to take away from him. But I do think Brees Hall just overall, from what I've seen, um, is a top 10 running back, and I have him at 10. So, again, with the injury, only I think he only played, actually played, like, it was either four or seven games. It was seven games. Uh, it was seven, seven games? Seven. Yeah, yeah, yes. So, he, depending on how he comes back from the injury and how the offense runs around Aaron Rodgers, I feel like he will have a very good comeback here. You'll see, like, week 10 on, he'll be back to where he was, and then next year, yeah, he's just going to explode. Um, my 10... Alvin Cook back in. My number 10 is Travis Etienne. Um, Ooh, yep. uh, has, hasn't fully reached his potential, I guess, from what he did at Clemson. Because at Clemson, he caught so many passes. 
and they just haven't used him like that in Jacksonville. Uh, Doug Peterson came out, said he wants to get him close to 1,700 yards rushing this year. All right. Okay, I'll take that, especially on that offense. Like, how many – I don't know how you do that when you have Calvin Ridley, Christian Say Jones, and Ivan Ingram you got to throw the ball to. It's like, yeah, their offense is just, what, going to be the number one offense in the league if you have a running back do that? Yeah, sure. Oh, like easy? Okay, thanks. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, again, kind of along the same lines as Tony Pollard, like super explosive. Anytime he gets the ball and he gets a little bit of space – He's running for 15, 20 yards. Um, he's kind of had, hasn't really been that goal line guy. Um, again, not the that many uh, receptions. Doesn't really get a lot of yards when he does. Um, had a couple fumbles last year. But I think it's just another one of those pure rushers that just can run all day will just fit in that offense so well and just be, and won't need like 20 carries a game. But if he gets like 14, 15 and he's fresh and he doesn't need to like run the ball a whole lot, he'll be top tier running back in the league. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense to me. Um, He's my number 11, actually. He was my honorable mention. Um, so before I even get into the honorable mention, yeah. So I had a feeling our top 10 would be very similar. I think what we had, eight of the 10 that were the exact same, obviously different orders, but we had eight yeah. of the 10 that were the same. Um, yep. Again, doesn't overly surprise me, but yeah, Travis Etienne was, was my honorable mention. Um, I had him at 11 um, and then Tony Pollard at 12. Again, probably just biased on Tony Pollard probably should be in the top 10 over maybe Brees Hall. Uh, but yep, that's kind of it. The other one that I kind of thought about Dalvin cook. Uh, I don't know. He, he produces the numbers. Maybe I don't know enough. I don't fully know the situation. I, I get why maybe Minnesota moved on. Maybe he wanted too much money, and Madison actually does perform pretty well. But, yeah, Dalvin Cook was an honorable mention to me. I think he's still a really good running back in the league. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I don't know how that offense is going to work because of Aaron, yeah. the Aaron Rodgers effect. And it's, are you going to run the ball? Or are you just going to throw it to Garrett Wilson? What is your offense? Um, again, the rest of their wide receivers outside of Garrett Wilson aren't amazing. They're just Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> best friends. So sure. I feel like they will run the ball a lot. Um, but again, in that division, you're going to need to pass. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe Brees Hall will just catch a million footballs out of the backfield, and that'll be their offense. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, fingers crossed. Again, I'm a big Brees Hall fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, either way, that's, uh, there's the NFL uh, top 10 running backs from both uh, myself and Spenny. So uh, thank you very much again, Spenny, for uh, coming on out to Roped In and being the very first guest and hopefully the first of many. Thanks for having me. That's great. Yeah, no problem at all, man. All righty. Welcome back. And uh, you're stuck with just me for the rest of the episode. That was uh, a lot of fun um, doing with my friend Spencer. I went to college with him at Camosun. Um, both big lover of sports, but again, he's a huge football fan and he's who I go to for a lot of my kind of football knowledge. Not to say we're experts, but I mean, we enjoy sports and we like to think we know what we're talking about a little bit, but yeah, you're stuck with just me for the rest of the episode. Um, back to the solo life. Who knows? Maybe I'll have a permanent guest one day or I can get more comfortable or 
I guess, better with my scheduling and have multiple guests per episodes. Because um, I got a lot of kind of friends and family in my life that have a lot of ties to sports and makes it a lot easier. I just got to actually start doing it. But enough about me. We're getting into the segment. It is the Formula One race recap. Again, it is the Dutch Grand Prix circuit Zandvoort. Probably saying that wrong. Um, but yeah, it was an exciting one because we're coming back after the three-week summer break. Uh, coming into this weekend, I think Red Bull had a very small update. Ferrari didn't really make an update, but Mercedes, McLaren, and Aston Martin all announced big updates. And it was things that I was excited to see how they were going to pan out for this weekend. One of the big factors this weekend, though, that affected a lot of things was the weather. Um, it was, I think, one of those didn't decide what it wanted to do, which made it a lot of different strategic calls by the management teams in the in the boxes um, down in the pit alley. Um, so, as a supporter, you know, it was nice. It's, it's good to see when decisions come into it, and it's not just about who's got the fastest car, because. It's going to be Verstappen that wins every time, and surprise, Verstappen wins again. But, you know, it's it's nice to see that when strategy comes into the play as well, when weather starts affecting things. Um, and again, weather was a, a factor all weekend. Um, but we can always start with practice, so I don't dive too much into practice. I can't be serious when I say I watch all of it and pay attention to all of it. I do try and watch here and there, but obviously I work and work comes in the way. But, you know, practice came in there. Um, Aston Martin was one of the later ones to go out. And they kind of had issues with Stroll the entire time during practice. Which was interesting because, again, they they came out with the the big update announcement. Um, And in the first practice, Hulkenberg actually had a crash. Which caused a red flag on P1. Um, And Williams finishing in the top 10 were were kind of all the takeaways that I got from, from some of the practice sessions there. Again, I don't dive too much into it. It is where cars are really just testing certain things out. The the, the final placements and the times, I don't dive too much into. Yes, they, they help because cars want to go fast. But I don't dive too much into it. So that's really all I got out of the first practice session. In the second practice session... Um, oh, yes. The big event that actually happened. I think it was the second practice session. Piastri crashed. Um, and he left on track, which uh, it caused yellow flags and everything, but then Ricardo coming around didn't really notice. He avoided Piastri, but then crashed into the wall himself, causing him to break his hand. This comes into play because, because he broke his hand, Liam Lawson replaced him for Alvatari. So, you know, Ricardo's going to come back. Liam Lawson, I think, would have been the replacement, as I said earlier, if Ricardo didn't take the job. Um... But it so happened, and again, Ricardo just broke his hand, so Liam Lawson took that spot. Um, but what was also nice in the second practice session, this I know happened, is um, Norris took pole. Again, I'm a huge McLaren fan, so you're going to hear a lot of Piastri and Norris during a lot of these race recaps. But again, Norris took pole at the end of practice too. Um, and Albon was still putting up good numbers in, in Williams. That was another thing that I was excited to hear. I shouldn't say excited, but it's nice to see when the underdog does well. So, yes, I was excited to see that happening. In practice three, it's when the the weather started to come in and there was a wet flag. <laughs> a wet flag. A wet track. Because of the wet track, there was a red flag. Um, 
caused by Kevin Magnuson. So two Haas crashes during practice causing red flags. Um, but again, not much else. Verstappen was the one that had the pole after the end of this practice. So at the end of all the practice sessions, Verstappen was the fastest. Surprise, surprise. Again, not going to look too much into the practice sessions. So we're going to dive right into the qualifying. Um, qualifying started with a wet track, but the sun was poking out a little bit after the third practice session. So the sun's starting to come out, but basically everybody started on intermediates. Um, Alex Albon, again in the Williams, was actually top in the chart. So again, super surprised to see Williams doing well. Um, but then Verstappen and the McLarens also near the top as well. Uh, I believe Verstappen was second and the McLarens were third and fourth or maybe the other way around. Either way, that was the top four. But it was exciting to see Alex Albon top with Williams. Knocked out of that first practice session was Zhou Guanyu for Alfa Romeo. Esteban Ocon for Alpine, Kevin Magnussen for Haas, Valtteri Bottas, the other driver for Alfa Romeo, and Liam Lawson on Alfa Tauri. You know, coming into the second court qualifying session, weather was still a question, what's going to happen? But again, people still started on the intermediates. Sorry, that's a little mid-break uh, drink break. Again, Crystal Light, shout out, want to sponsor me, let me know. But again, um, weather was still a question, but everybody came out on the intermediates. Red Bull and McLaren were the two teams that were clearly up there. Verstappen, obviously, number one. And then, you know, Norris and Piastri, with the upgrades that McLaren's made lately, and especially into this weekend, were fighting for that top spot. Um, Hamilton was up there at third for a little bit. Um, he put in a really good time. And then the track started to dry, because again, the sun was poking out. So, track started to get a little bit drier. Hamilton, see, this is where I, I'll be honest, I didn't pay too much attention because I was making breakfast before work, <laughs> but Hamilton didn't really put in a lap time, so he dropped all the way down to, I think it was 13th, because again, the track was getting drier, which caused you go around a faster timing. Um, for those that aren't huge Formula 1 fans, I'm not going to bore you with the physics, because I don't really fully know the physics, but again, you go faster on the drier track, more grip, kind of makes sense. Um... But again, Hamilton dropped down because he didn't get that lap in there. So knocked out after the second qualifying session was Lance Stroll, Pierre Gasly. Oh, sorry, Lance Stroll of Aston Martin, Pierre Gasly, the other Alpine of Esteban Alcon that got knocked out in the first round. Lewis Hamilton, the surprise from Mercedes. Sonoda, the other um, AlphaTauri. Again, Liam Lawson was the one that got knocked out in the first round. And the second Haas of Hulkenberg. Got knocked out after the second qualifying session. Now coming into the third qualifying session. Big surprise to me. Williams was in it. Both drivers. That was huge. Um, Albon, Russell, Sainz, and Sargent were the ones that started on softs. Everyone else was still on inters. Again, still a wet track. But the weather was getting better. Not good enough, though, and it caused Sargent to crash on a wet track because he was on the slicks, so he crashed. Um, but this caused a little bit more of a delay, and it was a dry track when everything started back. Everybody was on slicks. Um, sorry, for those that don't fully know, slicks are the soft, mediums, and hards, the ones that you do on the dry tracks. Um, so again, everybody was on the slicks. Norris and Piastri for a while were one and two, but then Verstappen took the pole, and Piastri dropped a little bit, and Russell vaulted his way to third. 
So qualifying, Max Verstappen was first, Lando Norris was second, and Russell vaulted his way up into third was how that kind of podium grid was starting for the race. Now, here we are leading into the race. The rain was still an issue. Um, I believe everybody was on soft still, but Hamilton and Hulkenberg were the two that were on mediums. Right away, the race started. It was amazing to watch the first race. It was 6 a.m. for me, so I'm going to be honest. A lot of this recap is a bit blotchy because I fell asleep here and there. It was 6 a.m. Forgive me. <laughs> uh, but again, I did watch that first lap, and it was amazing to watch everybody race because, again, they were on slick tires with a wet track. Um, multiple position moves, uh, crazy overtakes here and there, but no serious crash. So it really was kudos to all racers out there. It was an amazing first and second lap. Um, but heading into the second lap right away, um, you could tell people needed to be on those kind of wet or enters. So Sergio Perez, um, Leclerc, Gasly, Zhou Guan Yu, Sonoda, and a couple other people, they pitted in um, and got enters. So they came out in lap two on the enters and really started to take away. Um, then coming in on lap three is where... Everybody else pit, but I think it was Russell, I know Alex Albon, Oscar Piastri, and a few other people still stayed on the slicks while everybody else went to um, enters. And then coming into lap three right away, because they lapped or pitted first, Perez, Joe, and Gasly were one, two, and three flying um, after lap three, and Verstappen was right away in, in position four. It kind of stayed that way for a while. This is, again, where I kind of dozed in and out. Um, Verstappen quickly took second um, and then was behind his teammate for a while. Um, so Checo was leading. Verstappen was second. Big surprise. Red Bull 1-2 coming out of, I think it was lap 4 or 5. They already had 1-2 and were just zooming away. The track was then starting to dry up. This is where I kind of woke up a little bit. And I noticed that Piastri, again, as a McLaren fan, I was watching them. He still had his slicks. So he started going pretty fast, and that's when I noticed that, okay, the slick tires are starting to do pretty good. And then everybody else really kind of noticed that, and they switched to the slicks as well. While they were switching, this is the move that I actually did see. It was really canny that I kind of was awake during some of the interesting moments, or at least maybe there were more that I missed. But either way, Verstappen was the first of the Red Bulls to pits from the Inters to the slicks. This is big because then he got a bit of a head start. So when Perez pit, Verstappen actually came first. Again, who's to really say? I'm always one where I want there to be even races and just being a skeptical person. And, and my dad's a Verstappen fan, so I like to crap on it sometimes. I think it was done on purpose. They could have pitted Checo first. He had the lead. He deserved to keep the lead. But they pitted Verstappen because they want Verstappen to get the points and break the records. Either way, it happened that way. Verstappen was probably going to get the lead either way, so why am I complaining? But because of it, Verstappen took the lead and Checo was first. Um, Sargent then crashed a bit later, causing a safety car, um, and he then came out of the race. I then remember kind of noticing a bit of the race uh, when the race, sorry, safety car was coming in. Verstappen, Perez, and Alonso were the top three. Albon hadn't pitted yet, and Norris was down to 11th, with Russell down to 18. So again, as a McLaren fan, I was sad to see Norris drop from 2nd to 11, but it was even worse for Russell, who went from 3rd to 18. 
My sister's a Mercedes fan, so I'm sorry to say that. I mean, she's more of a Hamilton fan, but she still does like Mercedes, so it did suck to see him go from 3rd to 18th. But again, after the safety car went in, Red Bull just continued to dominate. This is again where I dozed in and out. There are a few changes here and there. One of the things that I did notice is um, Leclerc and Lawson, Leon Lawson in his, I think it was his first race at least, but he had a really cool battle with Leclerc. It was around the middle of the race. Um, so it was some really cool wheel-to-wheel -wheel battling around the turns for a few laps. But it actually caused Leclerc to go into the pits, and he actually had some floor damage, so got pulled from the race. Again, this is where I dozed in and out, so I didn't see a crazy amount. But it was around lap 60 of the 76 or something like that, where the rain started to come. Now, this is where, again, as I mentioned, the strategy was a huge play this weekend. Another strategic play came into it when Gasly pitted. I mean, a few others pitted as well, but Gasly was one of the few ones that I remember pitting four inters first. And Alonso stayed out um, on his slicks in second place. So it was Verstappen, Alonso in second. I then believe it was Perez in third and Gasly in fourth. This is going to come around. This is why I'm mentioning why it was interesting why Gasly pitted first. Um, for enters. Around lap 65 with the rain, Zhou Guan Yu of Alfa Romeo crashed, which caused a safety car, which immediately caused a red flag, which was about a 40-minute delay. I'll be honest, I fell asleep for a lot of it. Um, I did wake up, unfortunately, after the red flag, because again, it's super early in the morning, um, but I noticed that Perez had been given a five-second penalty because he was speeding in the pit lane, apparently. Um... So, your order was Max Verstappen, Alex, oh no, Fernando Alonso, Checo, um, Sergio Perez, and Gasly. But because of the five-second penalty, Gasly actually vaulted into third. So, surprise, surprise, Max Verstappen of Red Bull won. This is where Fernando Alonso, it was nice to see him back on the podium. I am a Fernando Alonso fan. Sad that it's not a McLaren, but again, big fan of Alonso. So, he came second, and Gasly came third. That was huge because, again, Gasly, I think, was 11th or 12th and came all the way up to third place to secure the podium. Um, again, as a McLaren fan, I did watch them a lot. They bounced up and down all over. Norris started second. I think he went down as low as 13 and then finally brought his way back up to 7 for the points. Piastri started 7th all the way down as low as, I think, 15th and finished 9th. So it was nice to see them go super low but then both finish in the points. The other big takeaway this weekend... Russell. He went from 3rd to 17th. Um, the only reason it was, I shouldn't say the only reason, but 18, 19, and 20 were disqualified. So Russell lost. It was a dreadful weekend for him. He had hopes of a podium just to finish basically last of all the cars that finished. Um, but again, either way, it was just nice to see Formula 1 again. I'm a huge Formula 1 fan. You're probably going to have me recap all of them. So get tight for that every weekend when there's a Formula 1 race. Um, but again, that was uh, really cool to see. Uh, I'm not going to do a full update of the driver standings. They didn't really move around too much. Surprise, surprise. Red Bull and Verstappen are going to win everything. <laughs> Woohoo! So here we are at the uh, end of episode 7 of Roped In. Um, I'm very, very excited. Uh, I'm trying to do this. I mean, I have certain milestones in my head. So, obviously, episode one was a huge one. Getting over episode five was a huge one. Um, even just making the second one was a huge one, actually. 
because, okay, so I'm going to do a little bit of a throwback. Um, I actually attempted to kind of do something similar to this, shoof, eight or so years ago, maybe ten, no, eight, however, um, however many years ago, it was with one of my other really good friends who I'm sure is going to be a guest on one of these upcoming episodes, if not the next episode, is Ian Kinch. He used to be a roommate of mine, and we actually were going to make a YouTube video of doing basically this. I think we did record one full episode. Um, I don't remember fully much. I do remember talking about Russell Westbrook being a triple-double machine, so I know that was one of the topics. It was around then when he was still on the Thunder, must have been. Um, but either way, making episode two is a huge thing because we only made one episode back then. I had a lot of fun doing it, but we just kind of didn't go anywhere with it. Both of us just, I don't know, not for any reason. It just didn't go anywhere. So it was nice to make episode two. Um, but now my next milestone, as I'm saying milestones, is episode 10. Um, then, you know, just kind of take it in its increments. Uh, obviously huge lofty targets, but I think 50 and 100 are, are huge ones to see. As At this rate, it's going to take me a year to two years. Um, but who knows, maybe more episodes are going to drop per week as I get more kind of comfortable with doing this and quicker at doing this and... And again, better at my time management between my work and personal life and this life. And who knows, maybe I can get, I mean, I should look into it because it's, it's, it's all up to, I shouldn't say it's just up to time, but, um, when I get money into this, maybe I can make this the job. And, um, if anybody at the bank is listening, I, I love the bank. I will work there forever. If any sponsors are listening, I, I, I can do this full time. <laughs> so Yeah. Pretend you, pretend you didn't hear the other side of this. Um, but again, thank you very much for listening to this. Thank you very much to my good, good friend Spencer for coming out and being the very first guest on Roped In. Um, again, I think I'm going to have guests on the next few episodes of the NFL topics. So next week we're doing the wide receiver top 10s. And another topic, I don't know, but... I know I'm really do, I think I have three segments of every episode before this, but again, I want to keep them around the 30 to 45, in this case, maybe pushing 50 minute range, because that's around the length where I feel like people can kind of sit down and, and kind of get to and from work or, or get their day started or get their Sunday evening started and not make it too long of a podcast. Um, but who knows if you guys just absolutely love hearing this and you think I should just go on for longer, um, let me know in the comment section and uh yeah as always hakuna matata